Welcome to Verity. I'm your host, Felicia Masonheimer, an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. This podcast will help you embrace the history and depth of the Christian faith, ask questions, seek answers, and devote yourself to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You don't have to settle for watered-down Christian teaching. And if you're ready to go deeper, God is just as ready to take you there. This is Verity, where every woman is a theologian. Hi guys. So it might be a little bit surprising to you to see an episode coming through in your subscription. And that's because we have not started our brand new season of Verity quite yet, but we do have two bonus episodes coming to you. One of which is this one. In this episode, you're actually listening to the transcript of an Instagram interview on racism with my friends, Emmanuel and Samantha Danso, who pastor the church Grace Innovation in London, United Kingdom. I know that this will be such an encouraging conversation for you, and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. And so without further ado, let's jump right to that conversation. Hello, friends. My name is Felicia Masonheimer, and today we are going to be talking about racism in the body of Christ. And so I am so thrilled to be introducing you to Emmanuel and Samantha Danso, who are pastoring a church called Grace Innovation Church in London. And so they will be joining me in just a moment here. And I'm so excited to have them join and up. There they are. All right. As we wait for them to come on a little bit about how we met I actually did a feminism interview. Ah, there they are. Hello. So good to see your how faces. You? Oh, I'm great how to are see you? you. How are you? Good. I'm good. I was just telling everyone how we met. Yes. 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 Carry on. <laughs> so we met when I did a feminism video for Grace Innovation, which is your church in London. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves and Grace Innovation before we jump into this topic? Because I know we want as much time as possible to cover this. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, um, well, my name is Emmanuel, and uh, I'm Sam. Sam, pastors of Grace Innovation Church in Southeast London. Yeah. Um, we're just all about preaching the gospel, um, helping people come to the revelation of, of Jesus Christ, what he has done on the cross, what he has finished for us, yeah. and just walking the life that he called us to live, uh, being fruitful in all that he's called us to, uh, to, to do. And uh, we're just, we just love preaching Jesus, literally. And we feel that Jesus kind of, he, the message of the gospel mm. impacts every arena of your life mm -hmm. and i know we're going to touch on you know the gospel and sin and things like that and i just feel like that's our passion our passion is to, to to bring people to the saving knowledge of jesus and to help them grow in the word of god and Amen. we just have a passion for the local church yeah. and uh, really teaching uh, the word of god as well so yeah, yeah. So, we're based in london yeah based in london um, as you can tell by our accent yes all of us are exactly so jealous of your beautiful <laughs> I don't know if you can tell, but yeah, we're not we're not from America, but it's all good anyway. Yeah, so yeah, based in London, got two babies, two little ones, yeah, yeah. and so if you do hear them, guys, please forgive us. We have tried the um, bedtime routine tonight, but it's just it's not working. It's not working. <laughs> but, uh, we understand. Yeah, we totally understand. And anyone who yeah. goes to your profile, so welcome to GI is the Grace Innovation profile. You yes. can so easily see your passion for the gospel and for biblical literacy, which is something we were just talking about on my account yesterday. 
my friend Ayana, that understanding the gospel and how it applies to life, not just reading your Bible, but knowing how to apply it to the issues of life, like feminism or racism or whatever we're talking about. And so I am so excited to have you here. But before we begin, I wanted to read a quote from a book I have, because I know that this topic is a heavy one. And some people may feel, you know, very overwhelmed in us discussing this. But this is from the book, What Lies Between Us by Dr. Lucretia Berry. And she says, racism is a recent invention that has come to inform how we think about virtually every aspect of our society and culture. And yet we struggle to talk about or even define it. We, the church, are part of the solution for racial healing. We are the light that drives out the darkness. However, as we seek to transform the world, we must first allow ourselves to be transformed. As the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I thought that was such a great foundation for what we're going to talk about today. And so I really just want to highlight your thoughts on the issues that we're going to bring up. Obviously, I'm in the U.S., you're in the U.K., I don't, I wanted to ask you first, would you say that based on the news, (laughs) what you can see are some of the issues surrounding racism, are they similar in the UK? Are they different? What differences or similarities are you seeing regarding that? First, can I just, let me just say this one quick thing. Mm -hmm. I know it's very easy to say, ah, come for the black guys. They must be experts in this. Now (laughs) we're just come to share our heart. We're just coming to just really kind of use this conversation to minister and to see where God takes it, really. Mm-hmm. We don't know everything on this, but we can share our experiences and what we understand from the scriptures to kind of support um, what we're saying. So mm-hmm. um, just want to let people know before you ask us some expert questions and we're like, dude, we can't even answer that. But <laughs> we're going to do, do what we need to do to, to kind of bring some form of education to yeah. the topic from our experiences. So I just wanted to lay that foundation, first of all. But to answer your question, to the best of my understanding and knowledge, there are, I would say the slight bit, racism is everywhere. Yeah. And here in the UK, we experience racism. It's not as, and I just, I kind of want to make sure I'm using my words wisely here. It's not as... Um, loud. Not as loud. It's not as aggressive. Aggressive, that's the word. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. It's there. It exists. Mm-hmm. But what we see... The difference between, between the US and the UK is that it, it happens in, in subtle ways. It's not aggressive. It's yeah. not as aggressive. As, as aggressive and or in your face. So, um, But there are similarities, but they are, yeah. similar issues, similar, issues. similar problems. And the reason we can say that mm-hmm. is because when what happened to George Floyd, everybody could sort of resonate with that situation. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That automatically showed that there is... There's, a, there's similarities the, yeah although it might not show the same face mm. there are similarities across the across mm. the board people are feeling the same pain and the same hurt mm-hmm. across the board in some way shape or form mm-hmm. i mean i'll give you an example a couple of years ago i went to watch a football match which you would call soccer you guys would call it soccer yeah. <laughs> we, call it, we call it football i went to watch a football match and as i entered the stadium built filled with eighty five thousand people as i'm walking down the stairs looking for my seat I am being racially abused as I'm walking down the stairs to find my seat. And not one person turned up and said, hey, stop what you're saying. That's not good. 
They, they allowed me to walk down the stairs. I looked for my... And I, do you know what? I said to myself, man, I mean, I love football. I love soccer. And I never returned to that stadium again. Never. Mm. Even when my, 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 my national team went to play, I refused to go. Mm. Because I was treated like some form of... I don't know. It was so disgusting. And it, it was almost shocking. I didn't know what to do. And I was walking down the stairs and I was racially abused as I'm looking for my seat. I sat down and then not one person could speak up and say, that's not right. And it made me think for a second. That was probably as, as one of the most aggressive moments I've faced. I've, I've faced multiple situations, but that one per se really caught my attention. I thought to myself, wow, this issue stems across the whole world. It's mm -hmm. not the United States of America. It just has different faces yeah. and it's time for us as Christian people to to be the to be the light in the world and to really begin to express Jesus and show show the world how we ought to do. Yeah. Mm. That's important. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So one of the things you just touched on was that this is a pervasive issue. It's, it's yeah. worldwide, right? Yeah. We know that racism is a sin. Now, what we're often hearing from many people in the white evangelical community is racism is a sin issue. So sin is solved by the gospel. Yeah. So what will often be said or what we're hearing in America is the solution to racism is the gospel and nothing else. Yes. What do you think about that argument? Well, so here's my understanding, here's my knowledge, and here's what I feel I want to share. If racism is a sin issue, yeah. and the gospel is the answer to the sin issue, mm -hmm. then we cannot, <laughs> we cannot deal with racism. It is, and, and, I know, and like I said, people might disagree. That's fine. This is, I, just, I just want to share my heart. Racism is a sin issue. The gospel is the, the answer to the sin issue. Then we cannot discount the gospel in dealing with racism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. However, how we express the gospel in different environments and different spheres of life yeah. is, the key. is the key. Because yeah. what we're seeing is that people are going, well, no, racism is a social issue and we need to deal with it with social such and such and such. And all, you know, in, the, in the heights of the moment, in the midst of the moment, you're going to preach Jesus. That's not the time to be saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. When people are so angry, it's just about knowing the method methods of, reaching, of people. reaching people and addressing that particular issue. And I think what Sam and I were talking about, we were saying that as a Christian, you should never remove the gospel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the foundation by which we believe. It's the But solution. now, if I was to walk into parliament, which is uh, what, which would be your... Um, uh, our, your our Congress. Kind yeah, of Congress. Congress. <laughs> Instagram makes me nervous. I forget. I forget. <laughs> But um, if you would, if I was to walk into Parliament discussing this issue and shout Jesus, they will open the back door and they'll tell me, "Can you please pass through?" That's what they would say. Yeah. If I was to walk into another place, give me another place. If uh, I was to look into, into, if I was to walk into church now yeah. and preach the gospel to people who understand the gospel, they will say amen to it. I, if I walked into Parliament or Congress and preached the gospel, they'll walk me out through the front door. Mm -hmm. the, what I'm trying to say is that we never remove the gospel. 
Yeah. Right. The gospel is the foundation. How we, but how we deliver it and how we deal with it in different environments will be key. Yeah. There's a way mm-hmm. to influence racism in the in a right way to remove it through parliament. There's a way to do that. We don't leave. The, we don't, it doesn't mean we discount the gospel, but right. the method by which we reach certain spheres and environments might look different. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes in because we are we will be directed by the Spirit. So mm-hmm. we might not have the answers to it in the Bible, like right, go to Parliament and do A, B, C, and D. Mm-hmm. Right? The answer won't be there in that in that sort of way. They might not receive it. They might not receive it, but the Holy Spirit will direct you with mm-hmm. how to deal with it in Parliament. So you bring figures to Parliament, you you tell them about the right that's going on, the wrong that's going on, going on, where they can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In that sharing jesus or sharing the gospel but without actually saying be saved you're all I mean, going to hell and, and, I think that, and that's where wisdom comes in. yeah right wisdom. i mean i'll give an example i was working in my office and a, a difficult question came up and sometimes I, when you're when you're the only christian in your office and a direct question comes up on a difficult difficult topic and they know the answer and they know the answer <laughs> they're just trying to trap you you know, you, you have to apply wisdom so that you're able to answer the question, but yet still present Jesus. Mm. Problem we've had is so you've got some people on your right saying, no, it's a sin issue. Gospel is all we need. No, Jesus. Yeah. You've got some people saying, no, it's, it's, it's not a sin. It's a sin issue, yes, but gospel can't deal with it. Yeah. We need to do social reforms and all stuff. That's, there's some element of truth. You need some social reforms. You need some changes. However, as Christian people, we should never, ever, dis- this is my opinion, this is my view, we should never, ever discount the gospel in mm-hmm. any message we do. It is the foundation of what we stand on. Mm-hmm. Now, how we take it to the yeah. environment we're going will change. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the message will always remain the same. Yeah. That's, what, that's what So, we gospel is the answer to the sin, uh-huh. but the message and how it's delivered will look different across the board. That's right. Mm, I love that. So what I'm hearing is that, yes, it all begins with the gospel and gospel principles, but the world is unsaved. Our governments are unsaved. So there are social measures that need to be taken, but that comes from, that's flowing out of the spirits leading and gospel in you. So it's one of the things that I have said when this argument comes to me is, yes, the gospel is the answer. But the gospel has your legs. The gospel has your hands. So, right. so would you say that jives with what you're expressing? That is perfect. Yeah. That is perfect. Okay. And I think, I think it has to stem from the church. Mm-hmm. We have to set the pace. We, the church, the body of Christ, we have to show the world how to live in equality and reconciliation. We have to show yeah. the world. It's we set the pace. And if we can't get this right within the church, then the world have a bigger problem on their hands. And that's the big issue. You see what I'm saying? Because for me, it's like, before I go and fix anybody else's family, I've got to make sure my family, my own family is sorted. My own home. I've got to make sure my my own home is sorted. And I feel like, if the church took more of a responsibility to say, let's deal with this in house. Yeah. But, the scripture says judgment will begin in the house of the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's coming to the house of the Lord. Let's deal with the house first. And then when we get our house in order and ensure that this thing is dealt with, then we can go and show the world, this is how you do it. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is where the gospel, and this is where I feel like the gospel is vital in this whole situ- reconciliation process yeah. because the church needs to understand the gospel. Mm. And how it That's a word right there. <laughs> it's, amazing how, it's amazing how the church needs to understand the gospel. Yeah. We need to understand the gospel and understand how the gospel in, impacts on racial issues. Mm-hmm. We need to tie up reconciliation, sort things out, and then now we're ready for the Lord to send us out into the world and say, hey, we've got a way that works. Come check us out and give glory to Jesus. The Bible says that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Oh, that's the word. I'm I'm always in church when I'm with you guys on one of these. I'm just going to fly across the ocean. Get the ticket. <laughs> so, so I love, I love, I love how you're expressing this because it really does get rid of the the cop out yeah. argument of you know just preach the gospel because we don't use that argument with anything else. We don't use it with abortion. We don't use it with issues of gender or sexuality. Mm-hmm. It really is only used, at least that I've seen in America, regarding racism. It's almost to say there's nothing we can do except preach Jesus. Yeah. When, you know, really when you're, when you're living Jesus, when you are following him, that impacts how, how you're acting. And like you said, Sam, it, it, it's going to be so Holy spirit led. It's going to look different in different environments and certain people will be led to do different things. So one of the things I wanted to touch on in the U.S., and this is a question I'm receiving a lot, and so I just want to address it because I think so many people have this question. Yeah. We have we have the organization Black Lives Matter. They tend, if you read their mission statement, to support critical race theory yeah. and the idea that everybody contains an inherent racism. So every white person is inherently racist. They also support LGBTQ movements transgender movements and they tend to embrace social marxism and so a lot of christians are really hesitant to even go there because mm-hmm. they're afraid i would say mostly afraid or or nervous about aligning with ideologies that don't match orthodox christianity and so I wondered if you could speak into that at all, have any wisdom for Christians who truly want to work against racism in the church and in the world, but when it comes to interacting with the world, they feel like they must align with this ideology or they have to completely get out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These are some good, good yeah. questions, man. Wow. Do you know what? It's, it's, it almost, it kind of reminds me of... The feminism um, chat we had. That feminism actually did some good things for women. Mm -hmm. But when you dig deep into some of its other beliefs and roots, it kind of goes in a different direction to where Christianity goes. Right. So you spoke about being pro-women instead. Right, yeah. Likewise, it's like, Black Lives Matter, a secular organization, has beliefs and roots that do not line up with Christian background, understanding theology, and just Christianity just in general. Christian in general. However, what I saw, what I've seen, and here's here's 
what I'm, I just want to share my heart with you. What I've seen is that Black Lives Matter, the slogan, as in Black Lives Matter, the slogan yeah. mm-hmm. is what most people are saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Black Lives Matter, organization. the organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what you find is you've got people, the slogan has kind of swallowed up the organization. Mm. And the Christians, I mean, it, again, it's like, I don't want to use, it's, to some extent, it can sometimes be a case of, we're trying to, the slogan in itself, if you, if there was no Black Lives Matter organization, does that slogan, Black Lives Matter, does that make sense? Does it, without the organization? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we just have to pull back a little bit and see, okay, what is, what's actually happening here? Because what took, what took place across the world was not, the was not, so, was not the organization. Yeah. It was people who were hurting and crying because they were filled with so much pain and, and they were shouting a slogan to say, Hey guys, we need some attention. Mm-hmm. Our health is on fire. And I just feel like sometimes it's, it's really good to understand the roots and backgrounds of certain things, but it's also, we need to sort of pull back a little bit and go, mm-hmm. oh, actually, we need to be able to differentiate between the slogan yeah. and the organization. Yeah. The slogan, Black Lives Matter, is so important. Mm-hmm. And can, can I add something for, so yeah. from a white girl talking to my white evangelical audience, since that's so <laughs> It's and correct me if I'm wrong, but the slogan Black Lives Matter, it's it's almost more like Black Lives Matter too, because the assumption is that they do not matter. And so when people yeah. respond with all lives matter, blue lives matter, mm-hmm. these lives matter, they're actually missing the point of what Black Lives Matter, the slogan was meant to say, which yeah. was the assumption like all lives do matter, but yeah. in society, based on the actions and the things we're seeing happen, it seems like, and it is that black lives don't matter. So that's where the slogan came from. It's saying, no, they, they matter too. draw attention to these lives. It's not that autistic lives don't matter and cop lives don't matter. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not as if they're alienating these other groups, but I just wanted to, that was something that I think some people don't understand and they feel threatened and they feel like you're just saying that only one group matters when in fact it's, it's drawing attention to a a group of people who based on societal norms and the actions of government and people as a whole, it's been expressed that their lives don't matter as much. And so would that be accurate? That's Perfect. accurate. That yeah. is, that's on point. And to be, to be honest with you, like I, I'm black, and I, I don't really even know much about the uh, the organisation itself. Mm-hmm. But I was supporting the slogan, and what I took from that was okay. Changes need to happen in society because a group of people are suffering in the hands of other human beings. And so, what the slogan meant to me was like, right, I need to go into society and figure out. And find a way of how I can make some changes or how I can mm-hmm. improve the relations between uh, human races in my own unique way, you know, mm-hmm. how ever God tells me. That's what I took from the slogan and moved forward with it. I didn't really jump into the organization. I don't really know much about them. But what I do know is they do support a lot of the things that, as a Christian, I don't stand for. Mm-hmm. So basically what I'm trying to say is 
I took the slogan and took myself away from the organization after I found out a few things about it that I wasn't 100%, I didn't 100% agree with. But I took what the slogan meant to a lot of people in the world. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of yeah, people, to be yeah. honest with you, what it meant to a lot of people. And took that on, took that on board and, and tried to figure out, right, how can I make a difference? Because there's a great a group of people that are not being treated fairly. And I think that's how we should tackle some things sometimes, is we just have to use wisdom. There will be, the organizations sometimes might bring up cases and you might not agree with the organization, but the particular topic they brought up needs to addressing. be addressing. Yeah. And we, we can't really keep hide away from it. So we, oh, okay, mm. okay, we take on that topic. How can I make a difference as a Christian? God, what, how can I make changes in this particular area? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, ev everyone has different opinions in it. I mean, mm. for me personally, first of all, I want to agree with you, yeah. Felicia. Oh, yes, I the, the slogan <laughs> Black Lives Matter was just basically saying, hey guys, our house is burning. Mm -hmm. Get us out of here. Yes. We yeah. need help. Mm -hmm. Give us some attention. We need some help here. We're burning. Mm -hmm. It's like walking down the street. I think there was a, there was a picture and uh, a picture on Instagram where you had all the houses on the street. They weren't burning apart from one house. Mm -hmm. One house was burning. And the person... Wow with the with the, the, firefighters. the firefighters came over and they started shouting saying they started shouting all lives matter so all houses matter so they were ignoring the house that was actually burning right to try and save the people who were in houses that were not burning right because all houses matter and it's like no you're missing the point the house that's burning at the moment mm -hmm. matters right now yeah. because that one burning not to say that no lives or no houses matter it's just the one that's burning now some attention. we and it's almost like it was what took place in the world mm -hmm. recently with the george mm -hmm. floyd it was to it was amazing because i saw black people i saw white people i saw children i saw all races coming together to say enough is enough. Mm -hmm. To me, I believe Christian people, we can't even, to, to, to bring out the point, yeah, but all lives matter, means you have missed, you've misunderstood the whole concept of what's taking place here. And we can't cop away from addressing the issue. We know that all lives matter. We yeah. know that all lives are important. But right now there's one group of people, a race, that is suffering the most. Mm -hmm. And it's like, all right, guys, come on. And this is why I say it starts from the church because we should understand compassion. We should understand what it means to, to feel the pain of someone else, even if you haven't walked their shoes. Remember, we spoke about this, Felicia. Yeah. Help me to understand what you've been through. Yeah. And hence the reason why the right. white man and the black man, we need to come together, have a conversation. Talk to me about your culture. You talk to me about your culture. Let's mm -hmm. no longer be afraid of one another. Mm -hmm. let's, let's allow the love of God to, to allow us to the freedom and the boldness to walk into your culture and enjoy your culture, just as mm -hmm. you can enjoy our culture and enjoy in our culture. Yeah. We are all, technically, we're all from one race, the human race, mm -hmm. you know? So for me, it's like, let's enjoy each other. Let's enjoy our differences. If we were all alike, oh my gosh, I'll be like, Lord, come take me to heaven now. I can't deal with myself. 
I mean, I need differences. Diversity. <laughs> we need to diverse. I mean, we need di- uh, you know, a bit of diversity in life. And I feel like the quicker we grasp this, the better life will be. That's yeah, just yeah. me. And, and you know what? When I was preparing for this, I was reminded, God just reminded us of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, you had this, so the sun goes off everyone that doesn't know the story so you've got these two sons yeah one son goes takes the, the his inheritance and runs off goes and wastes it comes back home and then you have this other son that's such a good you know yeah <laughs> a good, good. Son, the, the good son a good one the good one and uh so the, the the dad obviously throws a party for the son that comes back mm-hmm. and you have the good son look at the dad like hang on a minute i matter as well why do i not get a party and in that moment what he should have been thinking is like Come and experience the privileges that I've been experiencing because of being, you know, the son of our father. So in that moment, he should have had compassion and been so, you know, full of joy joy that his brothers come back. So come along, let's go experience this, you know, privileges of being our father's sons. And it's it's quite, it's the same thing. It's it's like, okay, you know, we've had these privileges as, you know, white people or this person or that person. And in this moment, you're not having those privileges. For whatever reason, people feel like you can't have those privileges. But I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to pull you along so you can experience mm-hmm. the same privileges that I have. Yeah. And 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 so in that moment, it's not about, okay, yeah, my life matters too. But it's like, okay, I can, I can see that I've experienced some privileges or I've experienced some good things that you also need to experience because you're a human being just like me. And so I'm going to stand with you and we're going to move together and fight through yeah, this. Yeah. 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 And I think... I mean, I love this question. It's a challenging one. Do you know what it does, Felicia? It really does address the way we think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's addressing us head on. When you hear Black Lives Matter, yeah, but all lives matter too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wait, hold on a minute. I didn't say all lives didn't matter. I just said Black Lives Matter. (laughs) Yeah, but all lives matter too. No, but I didn't say that. I just said Black Lives Matter. And it's almost like it it challenges our thinking. Like, oh, hold on a minute. Where did that come from? Right. Where did that come from? And it's 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 in those moments, as genuine believers, we need to go back and say, Lord, where where, are, where what's going on here? Yeah. Why 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 is my response to Black Lives Matter knowing and mm-hmm. seeing what's going on? Why is my first response? Yeah, but all lives matter. That's not why I did. I didn't say all lives didn't matter. I only said right. Black Lives Matter right now. So mm-hmm. why is that happening? So it, it really challenges us head on, and I feel like. It's a challenge that needed to be presented. The church needed it too. And it's time we, we don't run away from it. We address it. And that's like I said, I come back to this, this whole situation of let's deal with it yeah. within the church first because it's there too. Yeah. yeah. And with that, with that gospel-centered motivation, yeah. which is what we've talked about thus far, is this begins and ends with the gospel. It begins yeah. with the church, with dealing with this within our own walls. And where this the slogan black lives matter comes in is it's drawing our attention to a relevant cultural problem that the church and the gospel need to address so you know i think we can tend to get very distracted by the politics of it and the stats and fail to actually say you know what okay so there might be some people out here manipulating numbers or doing for political reasons, but let me talk directly to my friends who are, who are black, who are brown. What's their experience like? What is that, you know, for example, Emmanuel shared earlier in this interview of going to a stadium and, and being 
verbally abused, essentially, is what I'm hearing. And so that's an experience that I have never had as a white woman. So hearing that gives me that perspective and something that I can enter into as your sister in Christ. And I think that's where, at least in the American church, we can tend to be like, you know, get hung up on associations with the slogan and the words and, and well, I need all the details and instead let it drive you, you know, yes, those things can matter, but what's the point? The point is the gospel needs to unify us in, in healing and supporting one another in this area. Would you agree with that? One, one. 110%. 110 percent 110 percent okay i want to keep yeah. make sure we're all on the same page here. <laughs> one of the things reasons i wanted to have you on is because i love your gospel focus and i think you really bring you really bring such clarity to these issues by showing that it's not either the gospel or action it's yeah. the gospel motivates action And like Sam said so well earlier that it's wisdom and knowing how do I bring this gospel motivated action into these secular spheres? Because like you said, Emmanuel, you'd be tossed out Parliament's door, out of Congress's door if you try to go in there and say, Jesus wins over (laughs) racism. Get saved or go to hell. They would look at me and they would throw me right through the back door. They send them through the back door. Go on, look at that. Go on. <laughs> oh man, I uh that picture is so funny to me. So as we get towards the latter half of this interview, one of the things that often comes up is what are some ways that you know we're specifically talking about black lives here. So let's continue in that vein. What are some ways that your your white brothers and sisters can support, encourage you? How can they emphasize the value of black lives and break patterns of racism in the church? How can we, what are some ways you think we could do that? Um, You know what? Um, Do you want to go? I think it first starts with education. And to be honest with you, actually, because this is something I myself am learning. Um, I saw, because right now in society, you kind of get this, well, with social media, especially when everything kicked off, it was so loud that if you didn't have a voice or you didn't post something, then you were not affected by it or you were agreeing with the wrong that was going on. I mean, I saw a post on social media by a, a black individual saying like, you know, just because you're black doesn't mean you're qualified, you're qualified to talk about, to talk about it. it. And then I was sort of like put back like, well, okay, should I really be saying something? And I really had to go off social media. Now that's me as a black person. So I can only imagine <laughs> what other races might feel like, okay, I can't really speak, so they sort of feel like they're in between. Like, do I say something? Do I not? You know, if I don't say something, I'm supporting it. If I do say something, or actually you're not qualified. And so I think it just starts with educating yourself, just learning and knowing what what the wrongs were, what the wrongs are, because a lot of people are still affected by what happened years and years and years and years ago. Things that, you know, they never experienced personally, yeah. but their family experienced. And and I know in America, it's really, um, yeah. you know, you have all your stories passed down from your great-grandparents. Yeah. Your, you know, your mom told you the story about what happened to her mom or her dad and all this stuff. So it still feels quite real for them because uh, the, the, they know the story so well. And it's just about educating yourself on what's happened, what's happening, and, and just coming from an empathetic, 
yeah. place. Yeah. Mm. I feel like the way that our white brothers and sisters and our black brothers and sisters, all of us, we mm. can come together and really begin to break these walls. Yeah. Is like you said, educating yourself. Yeah. But breaking down the, the fear of dialogue. Yes. I mean, just come and come and know me. Because when you know me mm. as a person and you get to mm. know me as a person, that wall just of breaks. it just it breaks down. Yeah. And we just we need to be open. We need to be willing to be open to step into the life and the culture of other people. And I think we need to practice this in the church. Yeah. Come and find out, you know, why does my hair grow like this? <laughs> why do you have hair like this? Why did my hair grow after what? one day? I mean, why do you have an afro? <laughs> you know, I can explain that to you, you know, stuff like that. And it's like not having fear. Me being different to you does not mean that I'm weird and awkward. No, it's showing the beauty of our God the awesomeness of our God, mm-hmm. the, 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 how, how his wisdom is manifold. I mean, breaking that barrier of let's have a conversation, let's talk about this, and sometimes getting personal. And I love what you shared, shared with Samantha about the, there was a fear. I didn't respond to the whole, when it all kicked off, I didn't put anything up for about a week because first and foremost, I didn't even know what to say. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what to say. It was just so- because Everybody was, everyone's words were being dissected mm-hmm. to the, it was so awkward. I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray on it. And I'm going to comment as and when I feel I have the words. But in actual fact, if we had more of an open relationship within the church, where white folk and black folk would come together and we could talk and just share and break that wall and address that there is a wall there sometimes, mm-hmm. then we can begin to see improvement. We can begin to see the possibility of our white brothers and sisters, because they understand us now, then they can help us in areas where maybe in the past they would never have been able to. But it comes mm-hmm. through conversation, yeah. a simple conversation. Remember Jesus, when you, you spoke about this last time when you came on our show, he stopped and went to see the woman at the well, the lady at the well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The says he, he needed to go that direction. Yeah. And all he did was sit down and have a conversation with someone that wasn't even expecting him to have a conversation with. Yes. He entered her world. He said, hey, lady, I have living water. She goes, living water? Give me some of that water. <laughs> and he said, he said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Before I give you the water, let's, let me come into your world. Talk to me about your, your, your husband. And he goes, I haven't got a husband. Oh, yeah, you have five. He's the boyfriend. <laughs> He's your boyfriend. What's he yeah. doing? He's saying, hey, I'm not afraid to come into your world. I'm not afraid to, to let you know that I know where you are. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to step in. But I'm not coming in to condemn you. I'm not coming in to knock you down. I'm not coming in to beat you up. I'm coming in to heal you in those areas you're hiding. Mm-hmm. I'm coming in to understand you and let you know I know about it and I'm ready to lift you up in those places. Yeah. I'm yeah. not coming out away from the issue. I see the issue and I'm ready to have a conversation so I can provide you in conversation with the healing necessary to go on and be who you need to be. If we would have conversations and not be afraid, we could accomplish so much. So I much. love I love that example because so often, you know, and I think this this could even transcend the race 
and racism conversation with, with any issue of having the conversation with people walking through different trauma, different experiences, where it's really easy to give a pat answer or a statistic or politicize something when it's not, when you're not face to face with somebody, you know, it's so theoretical. It's all, you know, fact against fact and Facebook when you aren't actually in relationship with people and asking them, how are you doing with all this? What, what, how does, how do you feel about this? This was something that I was reminded by a friend of mine during the height of the tensions over George Mm -hmm. Floyd and, She said, you remind me, check on your black friends, see how they're doing, ask how this is affecting them, because that experience can be re-traumatizing for some people. And, and like you were saying, Sam, like, even you were like, this is, this is so difficult. I don't know what to say. I feel like, I don't know, should I say anything? And so there's this sense of in the church being truly a body, being in community, caring about what other people are walking through. It's so, so basic, but I think at least in America, it's become such a politicized issue. And we have people who are so worried that entering into this conversation at all will make them a social Marxist that, that they won't even step foot in the water or they do the, you know, it's a sin issue. The gospel will fix it, which we addressed at the first half of this video. Um, and so I just love that you're drawing it back to those gospel centric conversations in the church. And, and that's where healing happens. That's where we can grow. Both of us can grow in understanding. And because one of the things I think for me, I grew up in an area and this is, this is the breakdown of the demographics in our area. It is 94% white. Yeah. 5% Native American, 1% every other ethnicity, because that's who settled here. It's a rural Midwestern area settled by Swedes and Germans. So that's, that's where I grew up. That's my experience. I did not have a black friend until I went to college. I, I wouldn't have known anything about the experience. And so it was very awkward for me at first to try to have a conversation because I didn't know anything about the experience of being black in America. And so for that journey of actually asking those questions and being in community and saying, what is it like to be black in America? What do you experience that I don't experience? Or my friends who are immigrants from Korea or Paraguay, what is it like being an immigrant in America? What's that experience for you? It's just, it's something that's so simple. And yet when we politicize it, we actually take the legs off the gospel that's right yeah and we end up not not living out the gospel's obedience and and what what i'm hearing you say isn't it interesting that sometimes when we overcomplicate matters what you do with the gospel (laughs) we lose the solution to the matter Yeah. yeah yeah it's like you mean just by having a conversation we can begin to make progress yes Mm-hmm. A conversation. But when we allow politics to show the church how to do things, we lose, we get distracted and we lose our way. Mm. That is why we started this conversation with saying the church needs to lead the conversation yes. on this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. I want to know the way to get through this situation properly. I want to know the truth about it. I want, and I want to know how to find life in this situation. Oh, that's a word right there. I need that on a shareable quote. This is going to be saved on IGTV, right? Yes, it will be saved. Yep. I love that. Because yesterday, my friend Diana and I, we did uh, an interview about the John Christ situation. He's an American Christian comedian who had a, a sexual abuse or molestation case. And one of the things that we keep coming back to in that issue is the church should lead. Why is it that Hollywood is setting the standard of calling out abuses or holding yeah. people accountable? Yeah. That should be yeah. happening in the church first. Yeah. We need to, like you said at the beginning, we need to be, you know, dealing with our own, caring for yeah. our own. And yeah. if we can't do that, we can't be a city on the hill for the, exactly. for the culture. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I feel like we need to be brave and bold. Mm-hmm. And at the anchor of this, I remember what you shared. I'll never forget this, Felicia. You said equality is the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. We should be looking to treat people better than ourselves yeah, we should be looking yeah. to love people beyond yeah. yeah equality is equality is the bare minimum yeah. and i feel like sometimes even black lives matter this is going to be strong is the bare minimum mm-hmm. the next stage should really be are black lives equal mm-hmm. are we equal the same laws it's not necessarily change your laws it's necessarily it, it comes down to the point mm-hmm. are you applying the laws equally Mm-hmm. across the board and i feel like there will never be any reconciliation until there's equality yeah. mm-hmm. but as a church as the body of christ the topic of black lives matter really i mean that's we, that's the the minimum of the minimum it's the, mi- the minimum <laughs> mi- mi- which you know we know what scripture says and like we talked about in the feminism video it says outdo one another in showing honor Yes. If that were our our methodology, if we yes. let that be like the lens through which we looked at our politics and we looked at these situations, it would change how we have these conversations because our first thought would be the honor for this image bearer of that's God. Right. That's yeah. right. And I think that's the key. And um, it's you started off with a quote talking about renewing your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a, it's not, it's not going to happen overnight. At all. It's a journey yeah. because you see racism. I looked at, I looked at a, uh, I looked at my child. I looked at some kids and I looked at them and I said, there's not a racist bone in that child. Mm-hmm. So it needs, it needs to be great. It's almost like it needs to be passed down from one generation to another generation, to another generation. Because when a baby is born, a baby can't tell the difference between who's white, black, and they just, I mean, when my son goes to school, he's hugging, they're all hugging each other, you know? I mean, they were saying, you know, uh, during this COVID period, uh, kids are going to be hardest to, to handle because they don't understand social distancing. Right. And on the first day back, I mean, we say, don't make sure you stay two meters apart. I mean, completely ignored it. Went and hugged all his friends and I was just like, they, they, don't see, they don't see the difference between white, black. It's So where does it come from? It comes, someone has had to pass that down 
in, in and, in, and ingrained it on your mind and in your heart to such a point where you see a black person as a different complete species of being. So when we're talking about renewing the mind, this is Bible scripture in Ephesians chapter four, which says renewing the spirit of your mind. Mm. I think it needs to go deeper than this. I'll just change the way you think. Yeah. Let's, let's take it deeper. You need to get this yeah. in your spirit. We need a, a complete transformation in our spirit to the point whereby if we ever hear a racist word, racist term, it's like it makes us even vomit to think like, hey, where's this coming from? Yeah. Right. You know? I feel like that's how deep the renewal of the mind needs yeah. to go. Mm. So we can really yeah. uproot this issue and see change and progress in, in, in society. Yeah. I love that. It's so true. And some of our commenter, commenters are saying that it's going to take time. And that's true. Oh. It, it takes that time, both personally and corporately, that we as a as a corporate body are each individually doing the work but also corporately held accountable across yes. the world i think this is something that the worldwide body like if you're not catholic you know we don't have a pope right we don't have an overarching church that's over my church and over your church but we we have christ as our head and so when you are walking in the spirit of God, you will have that same desire to keep the gospel central, to have a heart that's being, the spirit of your mind is being renewed according to the spirit of God. So that same spirit of God, that heart of compassion, that heart for the gospel is going to be found in you and in me across an ocean because we're unified in the same spirit. Yeah, yeah, you know, you hear this all the time where, you know, people will, will say, well, you got, you can't unify, you know, the church on this. Well, if you're following the gospel, you can. Exactly. <laughs> this is my point. And here's, and do you know what? This, this is going to be so heavy, but I have to just share it. When the gospel is the center of your heart, it doesn't mean deny what's going on. Mm-hmm. but it just means don't let what's going on become your the anchor of your soul and jesus has yes. got to remove the anchor of your soul you don't let what's going on in society determine your view of life you have got and i'm so passionate about this jesus i mean jesus has got to be everything mm. i mean how you respond to this situation you got to ask the lord lord what would you do Sometimes when things get difficult for me, Felicia, and I don't know what to do as a pastor, I sit there and go, Lord, I don't know what to do. What would you do? What, what would you do in this situation? What's yeah. your response? You feel like, to some extent, we'll wear peace. To some extent, what my concern was slight was that Christian, even Christian black people, black Christians, what did I say? Christian black, <laughs> yeah. black Christians. <laughs> that we were getting so drawn in by the anger yeah. of the world, we were no longer standing for justice. Mm-hmm. Potentially, it could lead that way. Yeah. We now want vengeance. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a thin line. And I'm just like, oh Lord, unless I keep you at the center, I could get so angry and bitter. Because you could. <laughs> If I don't keep you at the center of this thing, I could, I'll lose my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I, I can't afford as a black person to let the politics of this situation dominate my heart so much that it removes Jesus 
who deliberately set me free from all of this out of the way. I've got to deal with this thing, even as a black person who's been racially abused multiple times. I can't afford, I'm sorry, I have to say this. So I'm speaking to every black Christian out there. We, we, are, we are Christians. We are Christians first. We're Christians first. So when we know that, we then are positioned and ready to face the issue head on, not for vengeance, mm. truly for justice, not for vengeance, with the key being reconciliation. And outrage. Wow. I, I mean, this is where it comes. And I feel like it's I feel like it's okay to be upset, be angry. No one's saying don't hide your feelings, but don't allow your anger to move you into vengeance. Mm. And we have to set that example. And we have to set that example. Because people are truly, truly angry. And to them, it's like, I will not have peace until I see you have that. Until sense. you suffer you the suffer way the we suffer. Way the way my grandparents suffered. And it's like, hold on a minute. Let's start afresh. Let's, when, when will this end? And you can understand the pain. You understand the Exactly. But we as the Christians need to be, need to set that example. I mean, this, ain't, this, this will not be popular. I'll be so honest. This is not popular because when you're angry, you want to get the person back. You you need to suffer for what you know. If we want, if for my kids to enjoy a better life, mm. Mm. I have got to sow the seed of reconciliation. Yeah. Mm. I have that, that is a word for all of us. And I can think of so many situations for my own life that that same word applies where the anger and then the desire for justice has that thin line over into vengeance. And so thank you for saying that that's convicting to me for my own experiences and, and relationships. Uh, that's extremely powerful. That so, so solid. I, I wrote down a couple of the things you said, because I got to make them into some shareable quotes. Too good. <laughs> so as we're getting down to the the wire here, I just want to thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing this. Before we go, I would love for you to share where people can find and follow you. You can find me on I am I am Eganto. Yeah. <laughs> See, I told you Instagram gets me baffled sometimes. And you can follow uh, Pastor Samantha uh, on Samantha Danso Samantha on Instagram, go- yeah. And you can follow our church welcome on at GI. Welcome to GI. Yeah. And uh, we just want to say we love, we love, love, love your ministry, Felicia. We can't wait till this COVID thing is done and you are coming down. We are getting you down in the UK. Oh, I'm so excited. I've always wanted to come to the UK. But that means that we've got to do a trade and we've got to get you over to the mix. To the great yes. white north. Beautiful. Love you. Well, thank you again, you guys. And for those of you watching and listening, it is I am E Danso. Is that right, Emmanuel? And Samantha Danso, D A N S O. And the church is Welcome to GI, which stands for Grace Innovation Church. They post their sermons. You have a YouTube also, is that correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. I have a YouTube. Um, Grace Innovation Church. Grace Innovation Church. Perfect. It's going to line up in a minute. So, yeah. Well, that and I can just assure those of you listening and watching that they're, the sermons that they have on their YouTube are phenomenal. They're so encouraging. If you enjoyed this video, you will love following them and being encouraged by their heart for the gospel. So 
thank you again, you guys. Thank You're you such a blessing to me. And I know that this will encourage many. Amen. Thank you so much, Felicia. Thank you so much. Thank you. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Verity. You can connect with fellow listeners by following me on Instagram at Felicia Masonheimer or on our Facebook page by the same name. Also visit FeliciaMasonheimer.com for links to each episode and the show notes.